Um, so I'm going to be speaking a little bit about tonight. Um, yeah, I'm going to step out on a limb a little bit. So I'm going to be going into horticulture. Uh, and I know there's a few farmers here, so hopefully they'll correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, gently, they'll gently correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. But hopefully I've got it right. So, so yeah, thanks farmers. I know where you are. Um, so how... This, this, this has been on my heart for a little while, and I wanted to share this with you guys. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were in, went away, um, and we went to go stay with friends of ours. Um, and when I, when I arrived there, we were driving up the driveway, and as we drove up the driveway, this person's garden was, it was beautiful. It was just immaculate. Everything was blooming and there were flowers everywhere the he's got little vineyards in the back garden and and the vines were were full of fruit and the flowers the all the all the uh all the roses were just in bloom and the there's a huge bougainvillea busy growing up on the side and this this garden was just just beautiful and, and i can't, can't couldn't i couldn't do justice to describe it to you guys um, and as i drove in God said, speak to Derek about his garden. And that's really what I'm speaking to you guys about tonight. So over the weekend, I just spoke to Derek and I wanted to know more about the garden. Now, I guess I need to, need to qualify this as well. We last saw them about three years ago when we went up to the, to the house and there was nothing. The garden was bare. There was not a, not a blade of grass, not a, not a single thing there. Um, but what he had done is he had started preparing the garden and we walked through his garden and, and as he walked through the garden he was saying I'm going to plant this here, I'm going to plant vegetables here, I'm going to do a little vineyard here, I'm going to put olive trees here, I'm growing, um, yeah, I'm going to grow roses here, I'm going to put, uh, um, I want to say vanilla, what's the other one? Lavender, there you go. <laughs> You're going to put lavender over here and, and he's just explaining each and every piece of this garden to me and he had this beautiful picture of what this garden was going to be like, but I couldn't see it. I, 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 he was telling me all these things, but I, didn't, I couldn't see it. I really couldn't see it. But when I drove up into his driveway, that I was just firstly reminded of this beautiful, all, this, all these things he was telling me have now suddenly burst into life. And um, yeah, so anyway, over the weekend, I was just, uh, just speaking to him and just asking him questions about what he does and, and, and how he goes about doing his things. But, so the first thing is there's a plan. He had a plan and he, he fulfilled the plan. Oh, he's busy fulfilling the plan. So there's still things that are, there are trees that are not quite mature yet. There are uh, still things that he needs to do. But the point is, from where it was to where it is now, there's growth and there's life. And he's got a plan that, once it all comes together, will be, will be really, really beautiful. Um, so, just to, just to continue with the story, some of the other things that I saw um, while I was there and, and we spoke about was the joy that he gets from his garden. He wakes up early in the morning and he goes and waters the plants. Now... He's got an automatic sprinkling system, but he prefers to walk out and go and water each and every plant and goes and almost like goes to visit them and goes and sees how they're doing. Are there any pests on the plant? Has something been damaged? Has some insect crawled in there and, and gotten some damage? So he goes and inspects the health and the, 
the, the, the vitality of each and every plant. And he goes and he adds what is lacking. And he goes and gives them water each and every day. Um, and we'll speak a little bit more about that as we go on. But he knows exactly the state of each and every flower, each and every plant in that garden. And he gets joy from walking in his garden and seeing his garden. And I really felt, I really felt that God is saying to us today, there is a joy with us when he walks with us. He sees us growing, he sees us, and he wants to spend time, and he wants to love us, and he wants to come in the cool of the morning and spend time with us and to see how we're doing and to, in a, in a sense, be a father to us, right? He is the father, and he wants to come and love us and to give us what is lacking and to show us where we can change and how we need to change, and he's just loving us in that way. The next thing I also thought about is there are different seasons in the, in the garden, so it's sometimes... There's a, there's, a, there's a season of abundance where kind of all the fruit is, is, uh, is busy, you know, is, is ready and ready, ripe to be picked. And then there's other times when there are less flowers and uh, perhaps other things that are going on and a dormant state of the plants that they go into. But the designer of the garden has designed it in such a way that the garden is never really dead. There's always something happening in the background. There's always something going on. The garden never dies. Although from the outside it might look like it is dead, but there's actually life and there's actually a restoration happening at that time. So that's also something that, that I felt was, was quite, quite key for us to understand that God is working in us and he's working through us. And even though there might feel like a dry time or a desert time, there's something that is still busy working and working through us. And then finally, I guess, just to round off the, 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 the first story is there was, there's water on the farm. Without water, this place would be dead. Um, so I knew, I know Derek for a number of years, and he used to have a, have a plot on the outside of Durbanville. And whenever we would visit him there, he would, keep, he would always say, oh, I would love to have a garden. The problem is the water here is not good enough. There's, there, are, there are hard minerals in the water, and the water actually is not good for the plants, and it keeps killing my plants. And he longed to have a garden. And when the first thing he did when he built this house is he made sure that he dug a deep well, that he dug a borehole that could bring fresh water up to build this, this, this beautiful garden of his. So water is important, and, and I feel for us, the Spirit of God is important for us because we can't work and we can't do anything without the Spirit of God. And Often in the Bible, water represents the Spirit of God. And without the Spirit of God, there can be no life in us. Um, Jesus said when he left, he said, I will send you a helper. I will send you a helper to be with you. It is, and this is, always gets me. He says, it's better that I go so that I can send the Spirit to you. And I don't know, it boggles my brain, but my mind says, I say I understand it, but my spirit is like, but Lord, I want to be with you, but you sent me your spirit, and your spirit is here to lead us and guide us and, and loves us. So, so I guess, I guess I hope, hopefully I've painted a picture of this garden, and perhaps you can all visit there one day, but um, it is really something to behold, to go to something that has been designed and planned in such a way. And I felt that God was saying, He's planning and designing the church in just such a way. He's placing plants, he's placing people in certain areas to do certain things, to fulfill a certain role. And perhaps your role is to be the rosebush, and the rosebush might come 
and draw bees who then f uh, come and, uh, yeah, what's the word? Not fertilize. They pollinate, thank you. Pollinate the other plants and, and to bring life. Perhaps you are a, I don't know, maybe an olive tree to come and bear fruit of, a fruit of olives to, 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 make, uh, to make oil or whatever the case is. But there is, there's a plan and a purpose for each and, one, each and every one of these little plants that he has planted in this garden. So I think we spoke about this last week when, uh, I might be mistaken, but Yaku mentioned something which I thought was quite profound. He said, without a farmer, a farm would make no sense. There's no point in having a farm if you don't have a farmer. And a farm without a farmer is just a field. So we need a farmer and we need the person to work the field. And, and I guess in, in church life, what we see is somebody needed to plant this church. Somebody needed to do the work of planting in this field. Um, and obviously, Yaku has, has done this. And he's come and he's sown some seed in this area. And, and this, in a sense, is the fruit of what he's done. So it's, it's very interesting as well that um, God is all-powerful, and we all, know, we all know that he can do anything that he wants to, but for some reason, God has chosen to work through man. God has not chosen to just magically do stuff and put things in place, but he has chosen to work through man, and in his wisdom, that is how he's decided to do things. So nothing on earth, his church would not be built except through man, except through, through the people in the church. So if we can maybe firstly put up 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 to 9. And I just want to, sh just to point out what, what that says. Now, this is really speaking about, um, Paul is actually speaking about how, uh, how he planted a church. Oh, sorry, Peter, excuse me. No, Paul, apologies. I wrote Peter, but it's actually Paul. Uh, he's actually speaking about planting the church here, right? Um, but I believe we can draw a bit of a parallel to our lives here as well. So he says, I planted, oh sorry, we've got it up there, thanks guys. I planted the seed, Apollo, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field and God's building. So here we can see we are God's field, we are God's building. So in a sense, he's working through people, but people are nothing. We are something, but we are nothing in the same sense. And it's, and it's kind of interesting to see that. So God would work through somebody in, 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 any, in any event, right? Um, so sometimes I've heard it say that um, God would, would use somebody, if he, he would call somebody, and they, if they do not pick up the call that they were supposed to do, he will actually go and he'll move to someone else to go and fulfill that plan and that purpose. So in a sense, we are nothing, but in a sense, he, can't, he, he chooses to work through us, and he wants us to, to work with us. Um, so again, we are nothing, but we need to work to his design. We can't go and build something outside of his design, out of his pattern, because that would not be right either. Because it's God who makes things grow. So again, there are different gifts in the garden, and I think we spoke a little bit about that. But I guess the, 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 the work of the people working in the field are to make sure that each and every plant is looked after, and each and every plant is, is, is growing to its full potential. So, so I guess what I'm saying is in, in Josh Jane, people are going to be in your lives. 
people are going to be scratching a little bit around in your lives and they're going to be finding out who you are and what you're doing and, and, um, and, and what your life is like. And they're going to ask some difficult questions perhaps and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to make sure that you, are, that you are healthy. And they're going to, like Derek, when he walks into his garden, they're going to, people are going to come and they're going to look at you and they're going to see, are you healthy? Are you doing well? Are, are you, and people would care for you in that way. So if we move on, let's have a quick look at what Jesus says about gardening. Uh, let's read John 15, 1 to 11. So this is, this is Jesus speaking about the vine. Um, and I guess one of the things that, I know I've mentioned this before, but Jesus was very much, he didn't sit in a classroom and teach, but he would, as he was going somewhere, he would pick up things about nature and actually teach people as he walked. And, and this is a perfect example. It's kind of like I get the picture of Jesus and, and, and the disciples are just kind of walking and Jesus says, look at the vine. I am the vine. And he would go and explain and he would teach, almost like they were just on their way and they were walking and it was in their daily lives. It wasn't like a classroom lecture setup where they would go and teach things like this. So in that, in that scene, can we maybe just think about them just walking through this vineyard and, and Jesus is just walking through and explaining this thing for them to see with their own eyes. So here he says, I am the true vine. My, fa my father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Oh, that's it twice, thanks. <laughs> Did it sound familiar? Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Okay. <laughs> I'll just read the first one, and thanks, Levi. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this, by this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as, the Father, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Isn't that interesting? We, uh, in worship, we had a little bit of joy, didn't we? We had little kiddies dancing, and, uh, and I really feel there's some joy that, that God wants to bring into this community, into this church, into, this, into our lives. We shouldn't be a joyless and a unhealth, unhappy people. We should really be joyful and, and loving people. So we'll dig into this a little bit as we go on. Uh, I'll pick up a couple of those, those pieces there, but that's really pretty much the, the, the heart of the message. I felt there's, when I looked at the garden, I felt there were three main areas that I would like to speak about. And um, I do, yeah, we would 
have a look at, at three different stages, I guess, of plants. So the first stage would be a seed. Um, and then we'd look at a sapling, and then after that we'd look at a mature tree. So firstly, if we have a look at the seed, there's a couple of things in the Bible that seed can represent. And, and, but tonight I want to have a little bit of a look at, at more about seed representing salvation. Um, so a seed is, is something that can be sown. Um, but a seed is something that, if you look at a seed, it is not a plant yet. It is just a seed. But it has all the DNA. It has the potential to become something different than the seed. The seed of a, of a mustard tree, they say, I haven't seen a mustard seed before, but it's a tiny little seed. And this seed can grow into a massive mustard tree, which is, would probably fill this hall with its branches. And isn't that, isn't that a beautiful thought that inside each and every person is this potential to be something that God has made them to be. They only, they only need to choose it for themselves. So God has given us salvation freely, but we need to take that and we need to, we need to take that and we need to take this gift that he gives freely and we need to make it our own. We need to rely on God completely. And it's nothing, so please hear what I'm saying, it's not... It's not that there's anything we can do from our own strength, but he has, given, he has given us the seed. He has given us the potential that we can be something for him. And I do believe that we all want to mean something for God and his kingdom. We do want to, we do want to belong. We do want to be part of this family. So there is something that, that there is for us to do. So he has given us salvation as a free gift. And I, almost, I have a picture of once we receive salvation as a gift, the seed has now germinated, and there's actually life starting to occur within the seed. Before the seed was kind of, there was a potential of life, but once we are saved, once we accept Jesus in our life, there's something that changes from just a normal seed into a germination, and there's actual life. There's a little root that starts to come out, and there's actually life that is starting to happen. A little bit more about seeds later. Then we move into a seedling. So once you are a little bit older and you're starting to grow, you get a little bit of a root and you get a little bit of leaves at the top, a seedling is rather weak. A seedling cannot handle all the, all the things that life can buffer at it. So typically we need to protect the seedling. So just a very brief story. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll show you my romantic side now. When I met Maurice, the first Valentine's Day we had, um, I was very romantic. At least I thought I was. But when she tells a story, it comes out a little bit different. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you my version, and you can ask her your version. She is up there. so uh, Her version is a slightly different, but I try, to, I try to make it a bit more romantic. So I said to her, uh, I bought her a palm. It's called a love palm. And it was a tiny little thing about so high. And I said to her, my love, I don't want to buy you a flower that dies. I will give you this palm, this love palm as a symbol of our love, and we need to water it and to mature it and to grow it. Um, yeah, her version is, he has a, he has a tree, and uh, I'm never going to buy you flowers again. So, but, <laughs> which, is, which is kind of true, but I, I, I thought I was being rather romantic and actually brought her a, a love palm that could show something of our love. Um, but the point of, of the story really is that this little, and, and if it, I think some of you might have been in my house, and the love palm is now in our, in our house, and it's 
it's, you know, it reaches to the roof, and there's a lot of branches, and there's a lot of, a lot of leaves on this thing, and we've, we've had to, we've looked after this plant. We had to water it every week. We had to give it some uh, nutrients for the roots, and, and, and it's grown, it's, sure, 20, how old, 24 years old now, I guess, that it's been living in our house, and it's something we needed to care for and nurture. But the, th the point is this little sapling, this little thing wouldn't have made it without love and care and being looked after. So if we can go to 1 Corinthians 3 verses 2. This is just, um, I know this, this, I don't want to take this too much out of context, but it's just the point that I'm trying to make is, um, there it says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready. So the point really of the scripture that I'm trying to po point out is, when we are seedlings, we might not be able to handle certain truths of the gospel. There might be things that we do not understand. And we need to teach the young people, the young Christians, in a certain way that they can understand what these things mean and, and, and give them milk in a sense. So you can't teach a kid how to do algebra in grade one. Oli, Oli loves his maths, but he can't yet do algebra. He first needs to learn the basics. And I guess that's what I'm saying. We need to bring young people in. We need to bring the young Christians in and really love them and care for them and, and teach them and show them the ways. Uh, if you were speaking about being an imprint, we should imprint these things into them as they see what we are doing. And even this, this evening when we brought the young, young kids up, they are watching us. They are looking at what we are doing. What are, we, are we being a good example for them to learn from? And to, to, are we actually teaching them well even in that way? Are we giving our seedlings everything that they need to grow? Or are we actually neglecting our seedlings? Then the next thing that, that I, uh, when I was pondering on this, I remembered a story from, from a number of years ago. We went to a farm in Wellington. And I, I didn't know this at the time. And they, they told me a story of how in Wellington they actually grow the, I don't know what you call it, the first stem of the vine. All the stems, uh, the, the roots and the first stem of the vine, they actually all grow that in Wellington. And the reason they do that is because that stem has a resistance to a fungus that happened to come into the country many years ago. So that this stem that we build from is actually resistant to disease and is resistant to rot. And, and what they do then is they plant, they graft the different cultivars onto the stem. So each and every stem has the same root. And I've just felt that it's saying, we need, to be, we need to be grafted into Jesus. We need to be grafted into who he is because his root is resistant to evil. His root is resistant to sin. On our own, if we had to go and try to grow on our own, we would actually be overcome by sin and by, by all the evil desires that are in our heart. But we need to be grafted in. And I actually read the, the description of grafting, and it's, it's a lot more... Um, it says it a lot better than I can say it on my own. So it says, grafting is a technique that joins the tissues of two plants together so that they can continue to grow as one plant. Isn't that beautiful? That it's actually joining tissues together to grow as one plant. So I really believe we need to be grafted into God and to what he's doing. In Romans, Paul actually speaks about grafting a wild olive into the olive tree. 
And the picture really there is we are wild olives because we didn't come from the, uh, the Jewish heritage. Or, uh, sorry, I might, might be making an assumption, but I don't think there's many Jewish people here. But we as, we as Gentiles are grafted into the stem of God because he's actually joined us. And, and he's opened up his heart and his life and he's, he's said, come and join into us. And he's grafted us in to this olive tree that is Jesus. The next thing that I, that I realized about a young tree is you need to be able to bend the tree when it's young. So if we read Proverbs 29 verses 1, it says... Okay, my version's slightly different. This, that's the ESV, unless I've got the wrong one here. I'm, I'm just going to read this here. Maybe I messed that one up. It says, some people refuse to bend when someone corrects them. So he is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, so they refuse to bend. Eventually they will break, and there will be no repair to the damage. And so, yeah, there you go. Will suddenly be broken and beyond healing. So I think the, the version that I have maybe is just a bit more, I might have messed up my uh, translations there. But I think the point is really, if you become too hard and you do not want to bend to God's will, if God is trying to bend you in a certain way, and the picture that I have, I don't know who's been to Babylon's Turin before. Maybe, maybe some people. But there's, there's, a, there's one piece there, and it's again a very similar picture of this garden. But there's one area of a, um, of a fig tree, and the fig trees have been bent in a certain way, and their the branches are bent in a, in, in, in a way, and they kind of grow in a, like a perfect pattern. And the reason that they're bent in this way is so that you can easily pick the fruits. So the tree has been bent and manipulated and shaped in such a way to be able to bear more fruit. But if you try to bend a tree that is too old, and the, the, the fibers have become too hard, and you bend you can actually break that, that branch. So we, likewise, need to be bendable and moldable in God's hands. If he says, I won't need you to change in such a way, he would like to bend something in us and shape us in a certain way. He's doing that for a reason. And again, God uses people to do this. God will do it sometimes on his own, but often he'll send someone in and someone will have a coffee with you and they'll have a conversation with you and say, hey, I'm seeing this in your life. Maybe you need to change and adapt. And that's really what we're speaking about here is how do you change and adapt when someone comes into you? How do you respond when someone says, I'm seeing something in your life? Maybe you need to adjust this. What is your reaction? Do you bend or do you resist? Then the last thing I felt about seedlings. Now, Seedlings have roots that are positively geotropic. I remember that one. There you go. I didn't write it down. But basically what that means is it grows with gravity. It grows towards gravity, which is the strongest pulling force on it. But it also seeks out water. So us, likewise, our roots should grow towards God. It should gravitate towards God. And it should always gravitate towards the truth of God. But we should also be seeking water. We should also be seeking the life source of the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. So I guess the question here is, are your roots seeking God? Where are your roots growing? Are your roots growing towards that which is self-edifying self and, and building up your own self? Is it, or is it growing towards God? 
What are you searching for? Is your life searching for more of the Spirit, or are you just doing your own desires? And then lastly, there's the mature tree. Let's read uh, Psalm 68, verse 6. God settles the solitary into a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. So as I mentioned before, God has this plan of this garden that he's busy building, and this church is a garden that he's busy building, and each tree has, has a specific place. So God clearly says here that he takes the lonely and he plants them into this, into this house, and he planted all of us here into this house for a reason. He has chosen you into the garden to add a certain flavor, to add a, for a very specific purpose, whatever that may be. You might be that person who has the flowers, who brings in the, the, the bees to pollinate the other flowers. You might be someone who is a big oak tree who brings a lot of shade. It might be that you are an olive tree who, who provides the olives. But whatever that, 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 whoever you are, you are going to be different to, to somebody else. And you need to do what you need to do. You need to be who you are. Remember, God gave you this. You grew from the seed, so the mustard seed cannot turn into an olive tree. The mustard seed will always grow into the, into the mustard tree. So you're not going to, you shouldn't look and compare yourself to others and say, oh, I wish I was the rose bush because I would love to have a beautiful flower. If you are that mustard tree, take Take heart in that, that God has made you that way, that you are this mustard tree, and that your purpose is to be the mustard tree that you need to be. The only thing that I would like to say, uh, similar to the previous, uh, previous passage that we read about the bending, God does warn us about not being rebellious. And he says, very interestingly, he says, the rebellious will, will dwell in a dry place. So it's almost as though if you are rebellious, you're going to be living in a dry plantation, in a dry field with not enough water. And it's almost like he'll, he'll remove the water from you. Now this is, you know, as I was thinking about this, something else came up to me. And uh, um, I remembered a book I read many, many years ago. Um, and I read about these, uh, about these trees that were able to communicate. And it sounds weird because trees don't really have brains or anything to think, but the way that it, that it works, and then I did some reading again on it, and, and the way that this works is, or at least the scientists are not sure, but they think there are a couple of ways that trees could actually communicate. But let me first paint the picture how this works because you guys are probably thinking that's a bit odd. The acacia tree, I'm sh I don't know if you guys know what the acacia tree, the thorny tree that the giraffes like to eat. Apparently, if the giraffes come in and they start eating at the acacia trees in one area, acacia trees a few kilometers away start um, producing a sap or a, a taste in their leaves that is actually unpleasant for the giraffes. And it was a bit of a mystery how this happens because how does an acacia tree two kilometers away speak to another acacia tree far away? But it does seem... That, that, and there's a couple of more examples like this, um, where this kind of symbiotic, or no, that's the wrong word, this, this relationship between trees actually exists. The one thing that they do think is there's an underground connection with the roots, and the roots somehow communicate with each other. And again, one of, one of, it's either through, uh, through smells and, and uh, 
uh, gases that somehow that the trees let off, or through vibrations through the the uh, roots. But anyway, I, I found it really interesting that trees can actually speak to each other. Um, and there's a, there are a couple of other observations that are similar to that. So I think my point here is really is how are we as a as a as a garden how are we relating to each other do we warn others of something going wrong do we care for the other for others behind us uh, for uh, for others next to us what uh, i just remembered one of the examples is really if if a seedling a sapling starts to to wither a, one of the trees would actually be able to send nutrients to that sapling's uh, roots the, the farmers are looking at me like I've gone nuts. But I did read this, so let's, let's say it's true. But, but the, 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 some of the older trees are actually able to send nutrients through the root system into the plants. So how are we looking after each other? Are we caring for, for one another? Do we look after each other and do we care for each other, for one another? And then, what does our, yeah. Then I'm thinking about how does our garden look? Are you fruitful? Are you bearing fruit? The, the scripture passage we read, it says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What does our garden look like? Are we yielding fruit? What does our fruit look like? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Can people see the fruit in our lives? And what does that look like? Is your tree inviting to invite birds and insects and other trees to come and live, live in the branches and to... to to make more life? Is, is, there, is there life and life in abundance in you? Do you provide joy to your creator when he sees you and he looks upon you? Are you living a Holy Spirit-infused life? Are your roots seeking the water? Are you growing into what God has designed you to be? Then lastly, and I want to start landing on this one, for a mature tree, we read that, um, that sometimes... We, uh, sometimes God does prune us. If you read John 15 verses 2, we can just jump into that one very quickly. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? Because he wants us to bear more fruit. So what does that look like? What does pruning look like? And what, what, what does he mean by pruning in, in this sense? I believe God is taking away and he prunes those things that are not of him. So he would prune those things that are unhealthy and, and not good, that do not represent him well. And the reason for that is when you prune a tree, the energy that was expanded onto that branch or to, into that area is actually now taken away and that energy has to go somewhere else. And, and the, the plant is actually able to expend that energy in a better place, in a different place. And that energy goes typically either to the roots or to the, or to the flowers to, to create more, to bear more fruit. So when God prunes you, you're able to, make, to bear more fruit. I don't know if you guys have seen a, uh, a tree that's been pruned, but there's not a heck of a lot of it left. When, they, when, a, when, a, when a team has walked through the field and they prune the trees or they prune the, the vines, there's literally just a stocky left. And you think, how is this thing ever going to even survive? And I think sometimes that's how we feel if God prunes us. He comes and he takes away those things and he says, how can I live without this thing? How can I live without this crutch in my life? Whatever that, that may be. 
how can I live without this? And then he cuts it off. And only later to realize that you're actually a lot more fruitful now that he has cut that off. So he wants to cut away those things. He wants to cut away bad habits. He wants to cut away your sin in your life and the evil desires so that you can bear more good fruit for him. So how does God need to prune us? For some of us, it may be you just need a small snip. For others, it might be that he needs to bring a chainsaw to cut down something. So how do you look? What is your life looking like at the moment? How much does God need to move into you? So in conclusion, God is a gardener and he's in the business of building trees. God is a gardener who cares for us and loves us and he wants to add the lonely into family and he wants us to bear good fruit. He wants us to bear, he wants us to, he wants us to, glory, he wants us to reflect his glory and, and by, by walking into this beautiful garden, you cannot but help but think, Lord, you're amazing and beautiful. All these plants and all these flowers, then you walk into it, and it's not something that is man-made. You can water something, but God makes it grow. And even as I'm saying this, in this church, I think God wants us to grow. And God is in the business of growing trees. So he doesn't want us to be where we are. He wants us to grow us from maturity into, into, from, from a seedling into something mature that can, that can grow and to bear more fruit. He loves to add what is lacking. He loves to come and to make sure that we are healthy and he gives us all those things that we, are, that we need. And he will prune us from time to time. And again, pruning will come through man. He will work through people around you and he'll help you to be a better reflection of him. Elenique, I wonder if you could play some music for us, if you don't mind. Thank you. So we do, I was wondering how I should, how we should proceed, but we do, have, um, we do have some communion today that I would like us to share in. Um, and there's one thing I'd like Ethan to share with us. Um, we were just speaking during the week, and we had a lovely conversation, and I thought Ethan could just share something about communion, and then we'll... I'll try to join that up to what we've just been speaking about. Hello, everybody. So during the week, my dad and I had a conversation, and God revealed something to us. We were talking about, in Exodus, how the Israelites, when they went out of Egypt and they were traveling to the Promised Land, every morning they had manna that, was, that God provided from the sky, and it just fell into the earth. The Israelites couldn't really do anything to get it. It just came. And I believe that's a picture of Jesus. How we, he's like unleavened bread, which we're going to, well, unleavened bread, which we're going to share just now. It's, comp it's very flat. It has no yeast, no imperfection, similar to manna. It was said that it's as thin as the dew that is on the ground. And it's just, it's a perfect thing that, and Jesus also says we need to eat of him daily. And, yeah. Thank you, Ethan. So, yeah, I think um, one of the things I'd like to end off with is in John 12, verses 20, 24, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Have you, have you surrendered your life? 
Have you laid your life down? Has your, has your fruit fallen? Has your seed fallen to the ground so that it can make more seed? Have you willingly laid down your life? And it's interesting that even the picture that we had earlier up there on the board, there was a, it was a grain of wheat. And has, that grain, has your grain of wheat fallen to the ground? And has it actually died? And when this grain of wheat dies, we can make it into, into bread and eat it. Um, but God wants us to, God wants this fruit to, this seed to fall into the ground so that it can be, uh, that it can make more fruit. But, but Jesus himself as a grain of wheat needed to die so that we could bear much fruit. So I do feel to ask if there is anyone who would like to come forward for prayer for maybe something that they need to prune themselves of. You're welcome to come to the front and, and someone will pray with you. And uh, yeah, but thank you. Yeah, Lord, we just want to say thank you for this evening and Thank you that you are busy building a beautiful garden. And thank you, Lord, that each one of us here are part of that garden and you've planted us. Thank you, Lord, that you keep a watch and, and love us and, and take joy in us. And Lord, I pray that we would find joy with you. Find joy with you in the garden. Amen.